Between You and Me, the podcast for fabulous but possibly frazzled women who want to take charge of their lives. Co-hosted by Galway journalist and NLP coach Maria McHale and Dublin journalist and the midlife coach Alana Kirk. Because let's face it, between you and me, we'd all love to be able to press pause once in a while. Hi and welcome to another Between You and Me podcast. Um, I was going to sing, but I won't. <laughs> so this one, uh, I was going to sing, girls just want to have fun and rock my inner Cindy Lauper, but I would not put anybody through that uh, grim experience. <laughs> um, but today's podcast is about fun, something that women um, can desire and want and yearn for, but don't necessarily always make time for. Uh, because we are doers, not funners. Um, and there's lots of reasons behind this, which we're going to go into. So yeah, today is about fun. So Maria, how yeah, well, has your day been? Well, so far it hasn't been that fun today because <laughs> I've been working, but I am planning to have a lovely walk with my audiobook later because, you know, in these times we have limited fun. But um, one of the things I think that's really important is that I think we've talked about this in a previous episode about women being people pleasers. And I know that, you know, there's obviously that whole thing of looking after people. And sometimes we learn how to people please and we forget who we are. And I think that's the kind of the the whole point of this, that this episode, that we're that feeling of sometimes where we get into a routine, um, we live our lives a certain way. We do X, Y, and Z a certain way. And suddenly we're in this kind of bit of monotonous kind of routine where there's very little fun or we've lost that ability to just go a bit wild and do something a bit crazy now and again. Yeah. Um, um, I've just finished Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed, which I would recommend to anybody. But uh, yeah, and, and a lot of that sparks the idea that we are nearly tamed Yes, we're born wild women, but we're tamed by society and other things. Um, And so really, we have to get to a point in our lives where we learn to untame ourselves and have some fun. And we're going to go into that a little bit more in terms of the science and the guilt and all the reasons why women don't do that. And then we're going to also give some tips about how to find your inner fun, especially in times like this. I think it's even more important um, because there's always something that's going to deny us in our heads the permission to strike out and actually do something fun for ourselves. Um, And fun means, you know, I think there's quiet fun and there's loud fun and they're both equally needy uh, in in our lives. But um, it's important to understand that there's sort of, there's there's quite often a psychological barrier to women having fun, which just doesn't have the same presence, I don't think, in men's lives. No, and I think, I know I've fallen into this uh, you know, kind of habit. And I, I've talked before about the time I was anxious uh, in the last recession. And I definitely lost all my sense of fun during that time. I think at about three years where I was so worried, um, all I could do for myself really was just um, get up every day, look after my kids, try and do a little bit of work. And that was all I could manage. And there was very little fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's because uh, that was a non-COVID cough just for the listeners um, part of that is because our, we go through a period of time especially as parents but but also I think our sort of 30s and 40s are just a really really busy time and uh, a huge amount of our time is taken over as you said given given over to the to the needs of other people and so we're going we're to go into that I suppose I want I want to 
start my story around how I reintroduced fun into my life. And it happened quite by accident in the sense that I had spent years, you know, doing the children thing, doing the work thing, having fun. I mean, let's not suggest for a second I wasn't having fun. But my fun wasn't always necessarily solo fun. It was usually sort of family fun and friendship fun and, and that kind of stuff. Um, and then my marriage ended and I went on my first holiday with the girls, mm-hmm. my three daughters. And we went on a camping trip to Croatia because, you know, I had to prove to the world <laughs> that I could carry on doing exactly the same type of holidays that they would have gone on before, even though camping in Croatia was a fecking nightmare. <laughs> um, and camping. afterwards no, no. I said to myself, why? Who was I proving it to? Nobody was standing there with the clipboard saying, no, you must prove yourself as a double parent, even though you're a single one. Um, it was We were in this little caravan at the outer skirts of the caravan park. And I had, I think at that point, a five, a four-year-old, a six, and an eight, seven-year-old. And this shop was about an hour away or sort of a mile away from the caravan. So every time we needed anything, I had to drag all three kids out of the caravan, walk to the shop, carry everything back. It was grim. Anyway, we eventually found the swimming pool and the slides and uh, I settled down with my book. Finally, you know, because my favorite part of a hot day was sitting on the sun lounger in the sun, getting my book, preferably with a gin and tonic beside me, despite being 11 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> because that's just what holidays are like. And the kids all jump off into the pool and down the slides. And I sudden, and they kept coming back to me going, mom, 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 come on, jump in the pool, jump in the pool, jump in the pool, jump in the slides. And you know, my worst nightmare is a water slide. I mean, what is fun about a water slide? It's wet, it's loud, you bump other people, it's horrible. And they kept coming back to me. And the first day I just did what I want me, you know, read my book. And then the next day I overheard them saying to each other, oh, but mom's no fun on the slides. And as we went off to the to the, um, the, the the pool, I suddenly realized in that marriage and in that f- family building space, I had allowed my husband to take all of the fun, in inverted commas, pieces of the childcare, while I did all the practical childcare stuff. Mm-hmm. I and think that's a common story, yeah. It definitely wasn't him taking those roles, and, and he absolutely did, did sort of some of the caretaking stuff too. But I just thought, oh my goodness, they, I now need to step into this role. I now need to be the fun parent as well as the caretaker parent. And I, you know, very reluctantly, you know, tied my bikini tiger <laughs> and got up to the top of the steps of this water slide and slid down it to the absolute screams and delights of my kids. And you know what? It was gorgeous. <laughs> I denied years of slide water slides because, you know, they got my hair wet and, and they weren't great. And I realized I had to step into the fun role as well. And it made me really realize how, when you look around the parks and you look in a lot of places, you see the dads playing and you see the mums doing all the practical stuff. And I know that's quite general, but I think it is true for a lot of us. Well, it's funny because I have a water slide story and it's the opposite of you where (laughs) I also... drunk, were you? (laughs) I also did the whole, um, you know, I'm going to be the most fun mom ever on this holiday. <laughs> and I am not a fan of water slides. And But again, this is where the people pleasing bit came in because I really wanted to be the fun mom to my teenage daughters and be, you know, the one careering down the water slides and doing everything. But I bloody hate water slides. And actually the whole, I did about four, we, we were actually in Tenerife and it's this massive water park that's quite famous. Again, I was a bit like I could take or leave going to this thing, but I was like, yes, I'm going to be fun, mom. I was terrified. I think I did about four 
um, different rides or whatever they are. And I literally thought I was going to have a heart attack to the point where I just went, actually, do you know what? I've done four with you now. But I hate it. This isn't my idea of fun, and I can't do this. And I just went and found a sun lounger and got my book out under the tile. And I just gave up on the slides because I just thought, you know what, I this is literally terrifying to me. So I think again, it's acknowledging that you know we try and fit into these roles and, and what should be fun and what's not fun, and or even trying to find fun. So I had like consciously made this intention that I was going to be like the most fun mom at the water park. And after, after about four goes, I was going, I can't do this anymore. I'm terrified. It's about finding your fun, your fun factor. So yeah. you know, for me, that story is about, I mean, I, you know, well, actually now I do love them and I love the scene. I love jumping and I, I've made that decision that when I'm with them, I engage in stuff. Um, but yeah, if I hadn't liked it at all, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. There's plenty I don't but do. But I do get your point about being the one who does all the stuff and the, and even now, you know, it's easy to slip into that role of, you know, you've got all these jobs to do. And I mean, I've, I have to be very conscious because I end up feeling a bit martyrish. I always have to do everything. I've got to organize the food. I've got to get everything. And it's just reminding yourself that actually, you know, there are other people around who can help. Um, you can give people jobs to do. You can still have fun, you, it, you know, and trying to not get sucked into that role and routine where I think most women would identify with what we're talking about, where you're suddenly going, how is it? This is my job. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's a whole different podcast, isn't it? You know, the the invisible workload of women, but it actually feeds into this. And we're going to go into this in a bit more detail in terms of, you know, why women are, are, and and I think part of it is conditioning and part of it is science. Um, but I do think that sort of that slide story taught me a lesson in that, yeah, I'm probably never going to become an Olympic sl- water slider, <laughs> um, although I've learned to actually quite enjoy them. Um, but I don't like, for example, I don't like scary rides. So anytime we go to kind of fun fair, I won't do the roller coaster. So mm-hmm. that's, I, it's not about trying to do stuff just, but it is about, but what it taught me was that I had convinced myself that I didn't do water slides. And also I'd, I'd, I'd become a role which wasn't me because before I got married and had kids, I was definitely fun Alana, you know, I did bungee jumps, I traveled, I did lots of fun things. Um, No, not that bungee jumping was fun. It's definitely not. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I was quite a fun person. And then when you become a sort of parent, you decide that fun really isn't your gig. And I think that's really sad for a lot of women. And I know a lot of the women that I coach, it's about trying to find that piece of themselves again, not mm-hmm. to go out and water slides necessarily, because it might be painting, it might be writing, it might be, it might be playing a sport, it might be any kind of thing. It's about, I suppose, learning that we limit ourselves so much by telling ourselves, this isn't what I do. So give it a go, give it a try. And later on, we're going to go into some ideas about how to find that fun element of you. And that's a big one is just, you know, give things a go and you don't have to like them, but at least you've tried them. And I think the other thing is that often we are the last people on our list where we get to do anything for ourselves. So, you know, it's often fitted in as a last resort or somehow you get to the end of the day. And and again, I've had these conversations with my friends and I've, I used to be a bit like this where you get to the end of the day and you were like, I have literally not had one minute to myself, not done one thing for me. And one of my big things is now that I literally refuse to kind of buy into that story even I tell I used to tell myself so now one of the first things I do I mean I have my own business but I literally put in all the bits of fun in my diary first all the bits of time that are for me 
before I put in any work or other family things. And it's actually been oh, my life. That makes you sound really selfish. Oh, I know. Yeah. Because God forbid that we could actually. But, you know, this is one of the things I remember one, uh, one of my. Yeah, it's like that, that is what women are told. They're told they're selfish. If they oh, think. God. And I've been told that sometimes by other women, you know, oh, look at you with your. And I just think, you know what, this this is exactly what we do need to do. And I think, you just know, you like pole dancing at 10 a.m. on a Wednesday morning <laughs> with a cocktail. You mean yourself with a cocktail. <laughs> I mean, who's going to judge at 10 a.m., you know, when you're having your cocktail? But, you know, this is the point that we we are often told these things. And sometimes other women are also, you know, um, guilty with a small g. Maybe it's just, the, you know, the story they're telling themselves. But I've definitely sometimes I think it's yeah, been changed a little bit. Um, and I think that is a cult, you know, again, our culture and, and the stories that are told about our role as mothers or as wives or as women that we must somehow be a certain way. And yeah, turning that on its head for me, you know, men would never be questioned that way. But, you know, as you said, it's like, oh God, is this so? And I think a lot, you know, there's so few, so many women who do so little for themselves. Um, And, you know, they're the last thing. And I think, you know, if, if anything came from this podcast, I would love if that everyone who listened to it, you know, put in their diary something that was just for them. And it can be something small. Like, I mean, this we were talking about, you know, we're in this mad quarantine and, um, you know, so what is fun now? And, you know, for me, it might just be putting my earphones on and going out for an uninterrupted hour long walk, listening to my audiobook, and I'll be a better person when I come back from that. Oh, Maria. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's it. I mean, I'm convinced I've decided that um, it, I don't have a wine belly anymore. I just have fire in my belly. Uh, <laughs> it's a raging fire, not wine, because, yeah, I just. I've been on this lovely journey for the last few years of rediscovering and trying new things. And, you know, part of that was forced on me because. Um, as a marriage ended and different things happened, I've had opportunities actually to go and holiday by myself, which and, and, and learn things like windsurfing or other things. But again, it is just really fighting back a lot of those conditions that we are sort of born into. Um, and you know, it starts very early. So you know, and I do think it's changing, but I certainly remember growing up. And if you look at the difference between boys' toys and girls' toys, mm-hmm. boys' toys were all about constructing and de- demolition and, 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 you know, mess and making things and running wild and climbing trees and go out and be dirty and all of that kind of stuff. And girls were all about playing nurses and babies and being little mothers and being nurturers and be, don't get dirty and all that kind of stuff. And that just perpetuates and perpetuates all through our lives that we're the carers and nurturers. Don't go out there and be rebellious. Don't get wet. Don't play in the water fight. Don't have the food fight. That's all the boys stuff. Mm. Um, and I think, uh, you know, that that's really damaging for a girl's psyche. You know, and I just love the fact that my girls are growing up in a space where, you know, climbing a tree is as important as, you know, doing it, doing something inside like a jigsaw. Yeah. And, and I think that will give them that idea that they can find their passions and stuff. Absolutely. And I, and I suppose one of my big things was with my kids, um, I had a boy first and I always encouraged him to, you know, I, I really didn't want to be that stereotype thing. Like obviously he was a normal boy and he loved sports and everything, but I really, um, you know, he had a pram, he had a doll, much to like the amazement of a lot of our friends. But, and it was interesting because often when boys would come and play, you know, they'd be doing like, they may be like flinging dolls downstairs and doing mad 
games with them, but they did actually play with them. And, uh, you know, and then ditto with my daughters who actually are, are, have always been real tomboys and very outdoorsy and sporty and um, they're mad soccer players. And I, I always encourage them to try things that weren't maybe, um, co- you know, conventional at the time, you know, and they were never interested in other things. So I've just let them do all that stuff. And I suppose that's the I difference. I think in that was definitely improving. But I mean, that conditioning does start from an early age, you know, and I have this sort of mantra that, you know, if your clothes aren't dirty and you're not scraped at the end of the day, you haven't had fun. Yeah. And it's really important to teach girls that because, you know, the adolescence hits and even if girls are brought up to a certain point where you're running around like mad jokes and my girls wake up to Donegal every summer and we become feral and we <laughs> you know and I've slowly seen them stop do the rock climbing and stop doing the stuff as they become teenagers and become a bit more savvy or sort of aware of their bodies and they're mm-hmm. changing and it's I think that's really that girls stop playing as much as boys and boys continue to play in that sort of mad sense and and uh, um, girls don't but I also think there's a, re- there's a science element to it and research has shown that women in general prioritise doing the right thing which is people pleasing over being happy whereas men are better at pursuit of pleasure and hedonism and I think that's, that's there's no criticism there but it is a scientific fact and again all goes back to self-esteem all goes back in priority and what I say to the girls or I, and I say to my clients who who has the right to deny you space and time to do something for you? You're a valid person. But it goes back to that thing of, you know, is it selfish to have some time to yourself? And I would think that, you know, there's a lot of women who would feel that it is for whatever reason they're, they're giving to everyone in the house except themselves. And I think, you know, that idea of that selfless woman, you know, is somehow perpetuated and, you know, there is this myth that, you know, to be the best, um, woman that you can be, whether, whether you're married or you have children or not, the best woman is always helpful and supportive and selfless and, you know, saintly almost that we're just what these low arse. Yeah, I mean, it's like, the most destructive stuff that a woman. Yeah, can and I think that's the bit where I've always rebelled against that a little bit. You know, where I just, you know, I'm not the best domestic apart from cooking. I am like I, I'm not filthy, but I'm not someone who's <laughs> going to be cleaning or gardening or that w- is not what I call fun. So I just do not do it. And I think that's the difference is that you know, kind of owning. Again, what do you like doing? What's fun for you? And, you know, making that part of your daily life. And I don't mean weekly, I mean daily. Like, is it really too much that you could have one thing every day that makes you smile or make you laugh or gives you fun? And it's amazing if you asked a group of women that in a poll, I bet they, some of them would not be able to name one thing that they do in a day for themselves. And that's where I go, yeah, I am not um, selfless. Women are better at the quiet, fun things. So they they might be able to go and find a corner and read a book, or go and do yoga, or go for their walk. And and, and that quiet fun is really important, especially for women too, because you're, you're there's so much going on in our heads. Like you know, I I can't I love having those quiet spaces because mm. there's so much going on. You're tendering to loads of people's needs. But the loud fun is really important too. The dancing, the sports, the being silly, the 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 being silly thing is huge because you Very know again so. don't want to be looked to be silly or they don't want to get their hair wet or whatever it is and it is such a 
it's such a wonderful liberation. Uh, and I think that's one of the just joys of midlife is that you kind of revert a little bit back. You've given birth to children, you've raised the children, and now you get to sort of rebirth yourself a little bit. And, and I just really, really love seeing women out there sort of being vibrant and having fun and being silly again. Um, and then it hurts me and I see women who just can't, who just can't see that in themselves or being able to just yet. And I think that's the bit of, you know, losing yourself, you know, um, when you do lose yourself, how hard it can feel. And, and sometimes, you know, getting that bit of you back is really take some work. And, you know, I would definitely identify, you know, with uh, clients of mine who've lost themselves and have literally no clue who they are or what they love even, you know, like literally, they literally have nothing that they know that they do that might be fun. They, they don't do it. And I think that's a big thing, you know, and I think, um, this whole, I think also, and I don't know if it's particularly an Irish culture thing, but this whole thing about being full of ourselves or, you know, emotions, Maria, like I I really have fought against this in my life. And, and, and I know loads of my friends and and people I've talked to about this would feel the same way that somehow um, being full of yourself as in just do it, you know, owning who you are and what you do and what you love and that somehow this is not good as a woman, you know, or that it's, it's again, that selfish, you know, that, that you can't just go wild or be wild. Like you say, a lot of them don't even realize what I do this exercise with some like my courses where I sort of do the tree of me. And obviously the roots are all your, your, your patterns that have come from childhood conditioning. Mm. Like that. The branches are all the things, elements of your life, you know, you as parent, worker, partner, all those kind of things. Now, what's the trunk? What's the core part of you? And some of them have to go back to school to remember the passions, the, you know, the passion points, mm-hmm. I call them. You know, what are your passion points? And so, well, I kind of like music and I, I kind of like this, but they've lost all of it because um, life has just become really busy and intense. So this is a really important time to go back and remember what are the passion points? What are the things that made you happy? You know, let's all mm-hmm. spark joy, not just in our wardrobes, thank God, but actually in our lives a little bit. But this is that huge thing. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing about, you know, even just not just about things that you, you did love or you do love, but also trying new things as well that, you know, particularly, you know, as we get older, you know, it is the easiest thing to suddenly we, we get stuck in our ways or, you know, we're in a kind of rush and that, you know, to, to, to choose to do something new or different, you might hate it, but at least you tried it. You know, the certain things that, yeah. Something new in your life. Yeah. And I, I actually think that's also something that I try and aim to do. And some things I've tried and I thought a bit like the water park. Okay. I've done that now and I'm not going to do it again. At fun. least I tried it. Yeah, but there's plenty of other things too. And I think that is, I mean, I, I started going on holidays to this yoga retreat or Pilates place in Greece and it was great. Uh, and then part of the gig was these free windsurfing lessons. And you know, the last time I did windsurfing was like a hundred oh. years ago when, when the equipment was really, really tough and I spent my entire time with my face in the water so I was a bit reluctant but I, I did it but of course now it's all fiberglass so it's all really really light and I loved it now I'm crap at it but mm. that doesn't take away the fact that when <laughs> that wind gets it I remember at one point I think I was sort of five lessons in and I'd finally worked out how to tilt the the mass the wind and my instructor Amy laughed because I was I sort of tilted off into the sunset because I'd forgotten how to turn it with I can read the wind. <laughs> and I was like this sort of goddess of one. Of course, I've ended up in the water quite soon. But it just, it enlivens something in me that's, you know, because I think 
no matter what age you are in life, learning new skills, learning new passions, learning new new new, new talents is just really exciting. And you don't have to be perfect at them. You don't have no. to be great at them. You can just do what they are. What's really coming out there is just the joy you felt when you got you know, when you did some, you know, you managed to stay upright for a little bit longer than two seconds. But, you know, it's that thing of joy, that feeling of joy. And I think that's something that we, again, we forget what it's like to have that joyful feeling and, you know, finding fun things to do. And well, I've been thinking about dancing, actually, because I, I turned 50 early in the year and I got the last party in before the lockdown. <laughs> um, and I actually had a dance floor installed, put down on the floor, and I danced all night and, and, and it was absolutely brilliant with disco lights and all the rest of it. And I just decided when all this is over, I'm going to buy some sort of dance floor to put <laughs> on the floor because I loved it and I've forgotten how much I love dancing and we don't go out anymore to dance even before this crisis no. you know very rarely would we go out and dance yet every time I dance to crappy 80s music mm. I just feel alive and actually I'm, I was um, on a house party with some friends the other day and they've we're all we've all signed up on the end of June we're going to have a glass Homebury weekend where we're going to link up and we're going to watch Glassbury online and we're going to dance in our kitchens and drink cocktails because and you have to put this time in the diary because absolutely me, a weekend of dancing with my pals even if it is by virtual uh screens is still yeah. something worth doing and i would be the same with dancing so that's going to have to be one of the first things we do when we get out <laughs> like we're in prison <laughs> when well, we get I, out i know when we get out eventually although yeah. we still have fun at home i do think that's quite an important you know yeah and this i think that's exactly i would be exactly the same that whole thing of dancing around the kitchen yeah. is something that i actually do and i sometimes i go oh my god if anyone could see me and you know what it feels so much fun and it's such a laugh and the other thing that i love doing which sounds so freaking random but it gives me such a sense of that childlike feeling is skipping now not i don't mean skipping with a rope i mean actual do you remember when you were a kid and you used to yeah. skip I love skipping and it's, you know, no, I tend to do it when nobody's, I love skipping and I think it's just such, there's something about skipping that's different. Such joyful, joyful. It's really cute. Yeah. And it's really joyful. And it sounds again, you know, it's that thing of like, it's something that you kind of go skipping, but it's fun. It's a kid. It I saw a mum and her child and I was so uplifted the other day. Someone had drawn hopscotch squares in the park with chalk and they were hopscotching and those simple things of being a child I actually bought hula hoops the other day because they oh, just had in the garage I thought that'd be brilliant for the kids well, like, well I couldn't get one hula hoop around my waist <laughs> I know I've got farmer belly but I do think there's a bit of wine there too <laughs> anyway uh, not I'm sorry not the circumference of the hula hoop I just couldn't swirl it I'm gonna have to practice but I just think it's those simple little moments that are or jumping on the trampoline admittedly yeah. my nine-year-old says to me now I know you have to pee before you come on but come and jump on the trampoline <laughs> so I have to pee first and then go and jump but it's just whereas before they're going oh I'm not going to jump on the trampoline whereas now I'm like yeah why not why not jump on the trampoline and I think that's the bit you know we need more women women full of themselves full of the joys full of fun and I think that isn't something that actually comes naturally to us now I think we have to factor it in I have to hold 
I'm standing there holding my boobs on the trampoline to stop them <laughs> going over the sh- my shoulders. But, uh, you know, you've got to do these things. So that's, so I have a, I have a little plan for how we can put more fun in our life and it's, it's called play. Mm. And the P is for planning. You've got to plan for fun. You've got to make time. Time is your most precious resource. <laughs> Yet we give so much of it away. So planning time for fun, um, even if it's, you know, a piece of fun for yourself, but also then those little spontaneous moments where you just sort of think, no, this is the moment. Like recently, the news is so depressing. And usually I listen to the news when I'm making the dinner. And occasionally now I just go, you know what? I'm going to switch channel. I'm going to put the music on and dance in the kitchen. And maybe one of the kids comes in and dances with me, which is another little extra moment of fun. Or sometimes I just do it on my own and and that's okay, you know? And I um, think that's the thing of we forget, you know, that we can be rebellious in a way. It's it's like rebelling against just normality and, you know, being grown up and being, you know, a certain way that we're act, we have to act a certain way or be responsible, which is what we're told when we're younger all the time. We must be responsible. And I always, I love, you know, I think it's that whole thing of, you know, responsibility, Maria. Yeah, exactly. God, you know, the world will still go round, you know, and just that whole thing of like this whole idea of rebelling against that kind of conforming is something that really, really is important to me. Which leads me on to L of the play. So P (laughs) is for planning for fun. L is love. Find the things you love. Mm. Even if they seem silly, like jumping on the trampoline while holding onto your boobs, you know, dancing in the kitchen and learning a new skill. And it's sometimes we think, oh, I'm too old for that, or I'm past that, or I'm that, what would I look like? Or or I think we get to a stage of life where we're good at things. We're really good at certain things that we're good at. So we are just totally incapable of starting something from scratch and being bad at something. Mm. Whereas I see my kids all the time, they're learning all the time. And of course, initially they're bad at everything because we're always bad at things we start. And as adults, we forget that we can be bad at something. Yeah. And, you know, we talked before about neural pathways in our brains, but actually the more new stuff we learn, it's actually good for us. You know, if you get all stayed, you know, we we don't want to turn into those old ladies who can't move or bend down or who've forgotten how to have a laugh. And I think, you know, trying new things actually creates new neural pathways. So it benefits on all levels. Which is the A of my play. So, you know, P was for plan, L is for love, A is for attempt. It's really working out well for us. I know. Um, Attempting new stuff, breaking your barriers. Uh, Like exactly what you've just said there. You know, I think certainly for me over the last few years, some of the greatest moments of growth for me have been when I've pushed through uh, something fear or or whatever it might be and, and I know I've talked about this before um sort of swimming like my mother for most of my yeah. life my head above the water and then learning getting a lesson learning and now being able to jump into the sea and jump and again that was nothing I used to not do with my kids I'd paddle around at the edge and now I leap in like a mermaid with my goggles on like an Egypt and I don't care who sees me I don't care that my body doesn't look like a model in a, in a swimming costume I if I hadn't attempted to learn to swim three years ago, I wouldn't have this incredible joy in my life. Yeah. And, you know, and like you attempted the water slides. Great. You gave it a go. It wasn't your thing. Plenty of other things are. So it's just. Oh, yeah. Attempting and and I have no regrets about it. I know I don't like water slides now, but I know because I tried them yeah. <laughs> and, and I really gave it my best shot. And I'm like totally OK with not loving them because yeah. they're just not my thing. And, and I again, would never like roller coasters ever. Yeah. Um, and then the last one is really hard it's really hard and I think it's the thing I mean you and I are quite good at this but that's only because we put in practice Um, and so the last 
last one from is why yield yield control let go and um yielding it's funny i've had a little social experiment in this covid times because i've had the space to try and uh, experiment a bit differently with my life and how i work things and you know we're so good at controlling everything controlling all of the how the house is managed, how work is managed, getting the kids, do this here, do this here. So I've learned, I'm trying to practice this idea of yielding a little bit. I still know what I want done, yeah. but I'm going to yield the control aspect and try and just do what I feel. And actually, I'm getting more done. It sounds really counterintuitive, but if you let go more and go with how you feel, you actually get more done because you're probably working more in your energy space than you are this, in the time management. You're working in energy management and it's a totally different place to be. This is huge. And I think this would be one of my biggest things for trying to share with people again, because I've been in the place where I wasn't like this for a few years and it just felt so kind of, uh, you know, suffocating in a way that we get caught up in the potential outcomes of situations so that, you know, we, we get, we don't want to get started or we don't want to be disappointed if they don't go to plan. And then you actually hold yourself back from the things that are good for you. And one of the big things is just having self-belief and that when you let go of what you expect to happen, you know, that you give yourself permission to see what happens and that suddenly you've given yourself permission to walk through any doors that open, whatever those doors may be. Absolutely. And I mean, it's funny. So, so what I've started doing now is making lists of the things that I'd like to achieve over the space of two or three days and then going with how I feel. And it is amazing. I actually do get some of the, the more difficult jobs done because I think, well, I'm going to get that out of my way. My energy's quite high. I'm going to do that now, as opposed to maybe doing it as a priority list when I'm trying to do something, but I'm just not in the mood to do that thing. And it's 10 times harder. Mm. Um, and the fear is that by yielding control, you won't get stuff done. You do. And you know what? If you don't, yeah. it probably wasn't important anyway. Exactly. And I think control, I would have been someone who tried to control the outcome of lots of things, um, particularly when I was anxious, you know, because it felt safe. You know, if I could, I knew everything that was going to happen step by step, then, you know, I was ready for any, you know, potential disaster. And uh, I knew that, you know, I could kind of manage myself in it, but actually, you know, just letting go and going with the flow is huge. And I am very much uh, led now by how I feel on any given day and, and you know and, and it, we've talked about this before but even like depending on the day we might record a podcast because there's some days where you're a bit like mm, I don't know if I want to talk that much today or whatever and just accepting that that isn't your day for having big chats or that you need to do go and have a walk by yourself and and I love that feeling of just allowing myself to be whatever the bloody hell I feel like. Or you switch it around, where because I think um, I was like that. Being so, I was like, I have to do this at this time, this at this time, this at this time, or I have to do these things in these orders. And actually, if you yield more and just go, okay, what do I feel like doing now? Then actually, the, the, you might do something that gives you energy to do the previous thing that you hadn't really wanted to do. Um, and so, I just think it's so important to really. And women have such wonderful intuition and voices and gut and we really need to trust ourselves more that we know what's right for ourselves in all kinds of ways so I really really especially in these COVID times hope women play more plan time for fun love and figure out what it is you love doing and make more time for it 
attempt new stuff. It doesn't matter if you're crap. That's half the joy of falling in the sea or, or, or making a crap cake or, or, you know, not doing the yoga pose, right? It doesn't matter. I try new things because you'll discover whole new worlds for yourself. And the last one is yield, you know, just yield control and let go a little bit. And you'll never, you, you don't know what you'll find about yourself. And I would just end on that and just say, you know, put something in your diary every day this week, you know, try and find something fun or something different or something new and just give it a go. Give yourself like 30 minutes of a day just to do something that's just for you. Yeah. And I'm going to end my piece on Mayo Angelou because, you know, she's always good to end pretty much everything. Fabulous. <laughs> fabulous woman. Fabulous. Um, and, you know, it's a very well-known quote of hers. You know, my mission in life is not merely to survive, but to thrive and to do so with some passion, some compassion, some humor and some style. And I think Mayo Angelou was a very playful person in many ways. Yeah. And she understood that life was not just about the serious. It was also about the fun. And we deserve some fun. I mean, we do a lot. We carry a lot of people. We carry a lot of emotional burden. We carry a lot of physical burden. And we deserve to have some fun. Absolutely. So now, what can you do this week that is fun? And uh, let us know on our Facebook page if you do anything mad or crazy on our behalf. <laughs> it's quite fun too, but just do something for yourself. All right. So, so many, many fun days ahead and we'll see you soon. See you next time. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.